Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Brenda Fisher, talent and literary manager. And I'm Jacqueline Reynolds, chief digital talent officer at RSA Entertainment. Our podcast, Badass Babes of Entertainment, will discuss the entertainment industry and the challenges facing today's actors, influencers, brands, and content creators. Hello, and welcome to the Badass Babes of Entertainment. We have today these wonderful women who are absolutely phenomenal. From DDO, we have Laura Thied and Alicia Beekman. And they are amazing agents, and they are just kick-ass ladies. So let's just say that, shall we? You guys were definitely like top on my list, along with the gals from CTA, of course, the, uh, the brunch buddies. And Laura, you've got to jump into our brunch situation once yeah, the, we brunch. the plague is over. We brunch hard. Love brunch. I know. Everything's better with brunch. So Alicia and Becca and Lauren have become my buddies, and I miss them so much. That was a lot of fun. I love listening to their stories and living vicariously through the youngins out there in La La Land. We were talking a little bit about some cool subjects that you guys have been broaching recently, talking about working with actors, what they need to be doing on their end to put their best foot forward in order to be successful. Basically, the most important thing is to know that this is a marathon, not a sprint, especially for young actors. You're getting your footing and getting your training and diversifying your training and making sure that you really are putting your best foot forward when you walk into any room or at this point, it's a hypothetical room, a zoom room, self tape room before you're even getting represented or going on auditions to make sure you have that training and you are ready to go so that when you do make an impression with the casting directors, it's a good one. Part of that is more than just ongoing training, right? It's training for every single role. So I think that a lot of actors, especially newer child actors, don't do or don't realize is how much work has to go into preparing any audition. It's more than just memorizing the sides and then throwing them on tape. You need to be, of course, coaching. But even before you work with a coach, you need to look up if the show already exists. If not, you need to look up all of the creators of the show, look up everybody involved. What kind of actors are they usually booking? How is the pacing of the show? Is it a multi-cam? Is it a single cam? Is it a drama? And how will your performance differ based on all of those factors? And then you do all that work, you break down the scene, you break down the character, and then you get coached 
to really work out the, the all the kinks mm-hmm. before you even put yourself on tape. And, and that's all so important because how you perform a scene will be completely different based on what you're auditioning for, even if the script is exactly the same. And I know that a lot of people are really excited to, I want to be an actor and I want to be on TV or I want to be famous. And they have all these ideas of grandeur, but you have to put the work in. And it is a lot of work. So you really do have to be committed. And parents need to know what they're signing up for as well, because these kids can't do it alone. They need the guidance. They need to know what steps to take. And so the parents have to do a lot of research and then help the kid make the right steps and to understand, okay, it's not just I'm going to read off of script or memorize my lines and then just spit them back out. You really have to be connected to the character. You have to know what the story is about and and the story that they're telling. And a lot of people don't get that. They want to jump right into it and they don't understand what it is they're doing wrong. So they really need to take a step back and prepare for sure. Laura, thoughts on your side? Yeah, it's just shocking to me how many people just get their audition and then memorize the lines and throw it on tape, like you just said. A lot of people are doing that. And the people who don't do that are the ones that book consistently. And it's you don't even have to guess who's going to book. It's really just the ones who put in more work. And you can just tell instantly. You can tell if someone built an entire world in their mind and they see where they are and they know who's in front of them and they know what happened right before and they know what's happening right after. It's like a completely different thing than when someone just turns in a tape where they're like just saying the lines that they memorized. Even if you're acting them, it's just a totally different ball game. That's not, that's like the bare minimum of what you need to do. Because again, you have to remember that Casting is going to watch 50 of the same, at least 50, sometimes hundreds of the same scene over and over and over. And how many of those actors are going to say it exactly the same and not bring anything new or anything different that wasn't on the page. They're just doing it how they think they're supposed to do it. And what their like first gut instinct is. They read it over and what their first gut instinct is. That's what they'll do. And that's never who books it. And I also find that we watch every tape that our clients turn in before we send it off to casting. It's crazy how many times people miss things in the script. There will be some action thing that happens, like this other person just threw something at you, but that's not a line, but it's written in there. But half the tapes that we'll get, they just don't even react to that part. They don't even react to someone just throwing. And then you see the elevated actors that really looked through that entire script and really saw that part. And they're literally going, they're ducking. like they're, And it's a whole hilarious reaction that they added that half the other kids didn't even bother to see or do. So that changes everything. You have to look at everything that's on the script and react to everything that's going on. You can't just look at the, this is my line and I'm going to highlight my lines. Yeah, the reactions are more important than the acting because everybody's acting out the lines. Like yep. everybody that's represented is can act out the lines. It's yep. those in-betweens, whether it's a physical reaction like that, ducking from being hit or even just the way you're, yep. when we're having a conversation, we don't just say what we are going to say and then stand there. And a lot of actors do that. It's, there's just so many like intricacies 
And it's the people that add all of the intricacies. And then there's people that just turn in a tape that are like, just saying the words. And again, like Alicia said, even if they're acting the words, it just is going to sound the same as every other tape, but it's only the people that add those real intricacies that make it further. And it's crazy how many people don't do that. And I feel like that's the biggest thing that, you know, that actors need to realize that is their homework. And like Alicia said, you got to look up the director, look up the writers, watch episodes of the show, take notes. You should know everything possible about that audition. You should know who the casting directors are, who the associate is, what else they've worked on, who's going to be in that room and have done research on those people. And again, a lot of people don't do that. And it's just, if you're trying to reach the highest level of something, you're not going to do it if you're, unless you're like putting in that amount of work, it's just not going to happen. So I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about natural ability versus someone who really wants it and trains really hard And how important is the natural ability versus the training? Of course it's important. It's always going to be the perfect marriage of those two things. You need to have a natural knack for it, it, but that will only take you so far. And it's something that we'll run into because sometimes we'll sign a kid that's six and they kill it at six because at six, you don't really need to train that much. But when they start to get towards that nine, 10, 11, and they're just used to riding on being naturally good and they're not training it shows and and they're no longer competitive with the kids that are working their butts off. Yeah, I think we've seen honestly like every combination. We've seen kids that just have such a natural God-given talent where you're just like, I don't even want to touch you. What you're doing is amazing. You, they somehow can dive into the world completely without any training. That's rare though. And even honestly, a lot of those kids, they still do get training and it's just to, it's just to sharpen their edges. It's to, or to teach them something new in their toolkit that they can use, even though they do have the natural talent, or it's just someone, sometimes a coach is just there to talk it out loud with you, help you just bounce ideas off of. They're not supposed to tell you how to do it, but sometimes they can help you just help you to realize your own choices. But yeah. And then sadly, there's definitely kids that we've seen that have taken every class have done everything possible all workshops all training and they just don't have yeah they don't have that they don't have it still and that sucks and it's sad and sometimes we don't know what to tell them at that point it's you've done everything you've tried every class you've done all the training you're doing all the coaches and you're just not hitting it like these other kids with the natural talent are hitting it and that's just the reality it's the same thing with trying to become an Olympian or like a professional athlete. Like you're, I could go and train every day for the rest of my life to like, try to be Serena Williams. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? There's no way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that is just, that's happens. And that's the nature of what it is because unfortunately, yeah, a part of it is natural talent, but I will say then we also have seen someone that didn't seem to have the natural talent do all the training and then become amazing there. Yeah. So I have, we have seen that too. And sometimes that's taken a really long time. And all of a sudden we're like years later, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, like this kid just hit this next level. It happened yesterday. We had a client that we were like, he just hit it. Like now his tapes, every single one. And it took years of working on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's so exciting. I feel like we've seen all combinations of, of the training and the natural talent and the like crossing of those two and the timeline of it. And sometimes it's just, it, it just takes a really long time for some people. Yeah. And it is exciting when you see somebody just finally it clicks for them and then they just start hitting every single time to where you're watching the tape going, I don't know what else I can tell you. You're so solid and so consistent and you're on a roll and now it's your time and then it's going to happen. And we just had that happen for a, a client of ours. And then all of a sudden he's got three different testing deals going on and shows fighting for him. So advice wise for parents, what are your top three pieces of advice that you would give parents who are considering getting their kids into the industry? Top three. I don't know how to sum it up into three. If you're considering getting your kid into the industry, number one, I feel like it has to be their idea and they have to want it so badly. Like it's too hard and it's too stressful and it's too much time commitment. If they're just like, yeah, I think I want to do it. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Just put them in like local theater or something, but they have to be asking you for like months and months and showing that they are completely obsessed and committed on their own before I would, if I was a parent, I wouldn't even consider it unless they were like stalking me about it because what I see our parents have to go through, it's insane. You're expected to I truly don't know how half of our parents do it and like props to you guys because it, it's insane. They're expected to drop everything at the drop of a hat and get a tape done same day. And I can't imagine being a parent, having multiple kids and working and trying to do this. I, it seems impossible to me. I really don't know how they do it. So yeah, it has to be like your child's end all be all. If they like basketball as much as they like acting to just let them do basketball <laughs> because it's going to be rough. It's going to be extremely time consuming. It's going to take a lot out of the parent and yeah, it's going to be hard on your kid too, because it's a lot of rejection. It's not like a regular sport where at least you get to you go to practice every day, but then it, you at least know that you get to play in the games for sure, mm -hmm. whether you win or lose those games. But this is your kid could be going to practice for years and years and never even get to play in one single game. The metaphors today, Laura. Yeah, I'm loving them. <laughs> the sports analogy. We use that too. I love it. It's yeah. like playing a professional sport and you have to train just like it and you have to treat it as such. You can't treat this like a hobby. You just can't and be successful. And I wish that people, I, I don't know why I always use the sports analogy because people instantly get it. Like, Oh, yes. I would have to train on the level of Serena Williams. Are you kidding me? Or Tom Brady? Are you kidding me? But for acting, they just think, Oh, I can be an actor. And it's no, you can't. That's not how it works. Like the, it is the same. It is the same level. That's why only the smallest percentage of actors are at working level or higher. There's millions of actors in, in, in the world, but just in LA. And yeah, there's only a very small percentage of those actors that are working. So it's just, it's exactly the same thing. It's really, you have to get to the highest level of the craft to start to work. And that's going to be really hard on a kid. And as a parent, that would be hard for me to watch and drag them through. So yeah, I think 
you have to don't just do it because someone told you your kid is cute at the grocery store. I, that is like the worst <laughs> reason to sign your kid up for acting I've ever heard in my life. And we get it all the time, like all the time. You know, if your kid is two, if your kid is four, like they don't know and it's not worth it. Like just wait. We get emails from parents of three year olds that say my kid really wants to be an actor. And <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> no, they don't know what acting is. They don't want to spend every night in acting classes and taking breaking down scripts and going to auditions right. and feeling the reject like they don't if but we get those things those submissions all the time I think the biggest like people think if their kid is cute and outgoing they should put them in acting and again that's fine but put them in like a local theater or put them in class but you don't have to take it to a professional level where you get them representation yet like you should start if they just like to do it put them in theater, put them in their school theater, see how they do. And it should only go to a professional representation level. If again, they are stalking you, hounding you, if they're obsessed with TV and film, if they like specifically have taken acting classes and love it, like love actually working at it, not just the concept of being on TV, like the actual craft. Yeah. I wish more people would do it as a hobby, honestly, because I think that's like, it's, disrespecting how high of a level that people are at to be able to work when you just go oh my kid's cute and she talks a lot in front of strangers like throw she should be a star it's disrespecting the work that the actual quote stars actually are putting in day in and day out and how hard that is so yeah do it as a hobby please by all means do it as a hobby you don't need to come to a professional rep unless it is something that your child knows that they want to do as a career because as soon as you throw your kid into this I think we were talking to our youth agent in New York earlier about this and she said something that wasn't really well worded but it was basically I was gonna re-quote this too (laughs) yeah as soon as you throw your kid into this like you are throwing your kid into an adult business Mm -hmm. so like it is they allow kids into I think is what she said yes it's an, yeah that's exactly it's an adult business that they allow kids into all the producers are adults everyone on set mostly is going to be adults even if it's a kid cast it's still it there's money on the line so it's not the pressure is real when you're on set and you're expected to perform and the whole production relies on that and again it's a lot millions of dollars are at stake and these businesses it's yeah, it's an adult world that you're going to throw your kid into. It has to be a much higher level. They have to want to do it as a career, which I think it takes a little bit more time for you to know that from your kid than three or four. Very true. Yeah, And I also, parents do have, in some ways, it's easier now in this time for parents to to do their research, right? There was always such a curtain, like everything on our end, on the rep side, on the casting side was like behind a curtain and parents just didn't know what was yeah. going on or how it worked. And now there are podcasts like this. There are tons yeah. of Instagram lives. There are clubhouse rooms every single day with parent Q and A's directly to casting directors and reps. So if parents are putting the time in and looking for it, they can get that information. And I do think that probably was not, well, not probably, it definitely was not available to them previously, though it also in our world has opened up the market. There are so many more kids pursuing this all over the country, all over the world that, and that wasn't really able to happen before. 
used to just be the, the people in the markets. So it's good and bad. And then we also have the parents on the other side that get too obsessed with those things. They sit in clubhouse rooms all day, every day, yeah. listening to Q and A's, listening to Q and A's, and they're coming to us. They're coming to their manager saying, this one parent said this, and should we do? So it's a balance of trusting your gut, trusting your kid, having those conversations between each other and still doing your research, trying to understand the bigger picture of what this life looks like, because it is an entire life. And, and as Laura said, as a parent, the things we ask and need of our parents are truly impossible. I don't know how they all do it because I like financially and time commitment and the flexibility to literally do whatever we need at any time. I just don't know how, but suddenly they do. And we're so thankful for all of our parents for that, because that unfortunately is what you have to be able to do to make it in this business. And so when you're committing to representation and committing to pursuing it, you are committing to spending that money and having no life and being the flaky friend because at any point you need to drop anything. So it's all a part of that commitment. And it is more than just wanting to see your kid on TV. Absolutely. And Alicia, that's a really good point that you brought up about the financial commitment. If parents are thinking that they're going to make money in this industry, more times than not, you aren't. You have to look at it just if your kid was playing a sport at school or doing cheerleading or doing competitive dance. Hockey. Hockey's so expensive. Hockey is expensive. (laughs) Yes. There you go. You got to look at it like that. And a lot of the times I have to explain that to parents, the chances of your child making more money than you spend on the things that you need probably isn't going to happen. But, but if you look at it in the right way, that this is something you're, if your child is passionate about it, they want to go to class, they want to do everything that is required in order to act then it's worth it, I think, because even if they don't continue with acting down the line and they decide that they go on to college and they do something completely different, they are going to be amazing public speakers and are going to do so well if they have to stand yeah. up in front of class and totally. give a presentation. There's definitely a lot that you can benefit in your future if you grow up in this industry. There's yeah. a lot to, to learn that can be applied to other things where if you're in a competitive dance, something like that, and you stop dancing, it's just over. You might still know how to dance and you might be flexible, but... You're great at weddings, but that's about it. (laughs) But that's about it. Yeah. So you can look at it as this is something that you can take with you throughout your life. And I don't know. I think that can be said for anything though, Brenda, like for any sports or for competitive dance that you are investing, investing, investing in. Like how much did my mother spend on dance throughout my life? Um, Yes. Like so much, but yeah, I got stage presence and I got confidence and I got X, Y, Z. Yes. And for some reason, parents don't want to not spend the money on those other sports, but they want to get away with not spending the money on acting. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's the same thing Laura was just saying about team building. A lot comes from that because you are working with a team. And I was a parent of a kid who wanted to be an actor. And he's the one who actually got me into this industry, which is funny that now I'm doing this. But yeah, and I spent a lot of time with him and we... I felt like it was bonding time that 
I had with him that I probably wouldn't have if he was going to school and doing sports and doing other things where he was away from me. This is something that we did together. It's true. I ran him all over town. And for parents, yes, that's stressful. And it's a lot of time. And But it's this time you get to spend with your kid that you're always going to look back at and go, I'm really glad I had that time. Just us one-on-one. And I really appreciated that now he's an adult and I'm really glad I got that time with him, something I definitely will never regret no matter what. That brings me to another point. A lot of people that aren't in this industry look at our industry like, oh my gosh, Lindsay Lohan and any of the kids that have had issues and they're like, oh, that industry, that's just horrible on kids and they turn out to be bad. And that's really not the norm. The norm is a lot of these kids grow up to be extremely intelligent, go to college. Yeah, I think that it's mixed. I think that there are pressures that are put on child actors, especially teen actors, when they are on a show and gain success and space in the public eye that are very hard to navigate. And It takes a whole special kind of parenting. It's different than anything else. And I think that even a lot of these people that you may immediately think of when you think of people that had some struggles growing out of being a child actor, they're still, they've made it through to the other side to be a successful adult. But I think that there is a a transition there that is much harder when you're in the public eye and when you're having to work an adult job as a kid and full time. And, and there's something to be said about that. And it's important to not downplay it either because it is not easy. <laughs> and, and that fame part is real. Navigating being a teenager is probably the hardest thing that any of us will have ever had to do and will ever have to do. So when you add doing that in the public eye, it's definitely a whole different ball game. For sure. I think I've noticed too, that there's a lot of kids that when you're you're an actor, you do the homeschooling because it was a lot easier to be able to pick up and and run if you have to do an audition or if you have a more flexible schedule to turn in schoolwork, that type of thing, when you've got a 12-page script that you've got to be off book and really do a great job on this audition type of thing. And for the kids that are in school and, and have to go to school, it's a little bit different. That's a lot more stress on them to have to toggle that and figure out the best way to to navigate that. But one of the nice things that I've noticed about the kids that are actors is they tend to be nicer kids. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they tend to be, and it's funny because you would think they would be more competitive with each other, but I've seen them be much more inclusive and supportive of each other, even if they're going out for the same role. They don't care. It's, hey, how you doing? They're just excited to see their friends at an audition and that kind of thing. I think the parents maybe get a little bit more competitive when worried about if their kid's going to book. And the kids just are enjoying it and enjoying seeing other kids and enjoying the experience. And I think that's the one thing I could say to parents out there is don't be so competitive. And if you relax, your kid will relax and, and not be stressed out about things. I think that's the thing I've probably noticed the most. And I don't know, but I think with girls, parents of girls, it seems to be a little bit more intense than parents of boys. I don't it's know. It's interesting because the, the client that comes to my mind is a parent of a boy. But yeah, it, it is when, when 
we keep hearing that the kid is taking it hard, rejection and whatnot, you have, you think, I don't want to blame anything on the parent because this is a hard business and rejection. Like I could never handle it. I hate rejection. I'm very sensitive. So I don't want to put it on the parent, but there definitely is an, an aspect of how the parents reacting. And if the kid's feel like they're also letting their parents down by not booking something. And I think that's like super important and a a huge factor for a lot of kids that deal with the stress of that is they don't want to let their parents down by not booking. There's definitely been the financial aspect of it. I think, unfortunately, there's families that move here from all over the world for their kid to do this. And they're counting on their child to book to pay the rent out here kind of thing and they if that pressure is being communicated to the child it's terrible that's if the parents are like if you don't book soon we have to go back to Michigan or whatever Mm. that kind of thing is can be so damaging and so hard I can't even imagine as a kid just thinking that you're responsible for staying out in LA for your family or whatever that's just too much They should be able to be kids and enjoy the experience. I noticed that, and I've had to talk to parents about this, like as they get out of the dishes, how did it go? What casting say? Oh my gosh, they want to know everything. And And we can tell on our end too. We'll get emails from parents three hours after they go to an audition that says, can you get feedback on this? How did they do? I thought they did. This was really strong. And it's okay. If you're saying that to us, like that is probably the energy that you are emitting to your child. Yes. And we all know that we're not going to get feedback right out of the gate unless something really went horribly wrong in the room that casting wants to share with you. And you definitely don't want to get that call. But and we always say, and I'm sure you guys do, too. The best feedback is a callback. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And but even if you don't, I'm sure Laura and I definitely, but I'm sure most agents and managers like this is as much heartbreak for us as it is for the actors we love Mm -hmm. like the amount of heartbreak that we go through constantly and I don't know if actors just don't realize that or, or parents don't realize that but like we know how talented our kids are like we if we rep them we think they should be on a series we think they should be like headlining feature films when the bookings aren't coming in a it's devastating for us because we're like, you're wrong. You are wrong. (laughs) You made the wrong choice here. (laughs) But it also, it's just, we put our heart and soul into this and into our kids. And we honestly want you to book, I don't want to say as badly as you do, but pretty close. (laughs) Pretty darn close. Absolutely. And again, like for us, this is our lives too. Right. When we get big heartbreaks it hurts it kills us we we need these the bookings to like what's the word yeah just yeah be not not motivated but well you need them for yeah just this job is hard and this is our lives and so the bookings are what bring us the joy that's the part that we get to share with the kid that's the best part of the entire job so when we get those major heartbreaks and sometimes we get a ton in a row and it's rough and we feel discouraged and we and we have to relay that we're the ones that have to tell them yes yes like casting doesn't have to tell them casting just has to tell us but we have to tell the the kid or the parent Yeah. yeah and especially when they get so close I think it's almost harder 
when they go th- get right down to the end and it's between them and one other person and then they don't get it after all that work. When they keep getting close mm-hmm. and they keep not getting it, it's brutal to try to call and explain that and be just yeah. like, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you other than keep going because you're doing everything right and you're testing for everything. There's kids that we have that have tested and tested and for some reason, like they just haven't booked their role yet. And that's so hard. We always say that's the hardest. It's much easier to explain when somebody comes to us and say, what else can I be doing? And we're like, your headshots aren't current. You're really not training that hard. I can tell you didn't coach for this audition. That's easy. What's hard is when they're doing everything they're supposed to do. They're delivering and they're getting there. They're getting so close and it's just not clicking. And it's, we want to have the answer, but we don't have an answer besides you're killing it, keep going. And sometimes it takes years sometimes it takes decades for people to find their role but I do believe that if you keep working it that hard and you keep wanting it some people lose the want but that it will come at least for our clients that we we believe in we don't just say that to say that yep and wasn't it Leonardo DiCaprio that said he went on a hundred auditions before he, he even booked one I think I that saw that sounds, floating around I'm that. Sure, yeah. yeah. And then look at him. He hung in there and he just kept going and he didn't give up um, because he wanted it. And that's the key. If you get to the point where it's not fun anymore, then don't do it. It has to be fun because this is so much work and it's it's not for everybody. And it's definitely not for the faint of heart. That is for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You can follow us on all things social media. Insta at Babes of Entertainment, Twitter, Babe underscore podcast, and Facebook at Babes of Entertainment. You got it? Now, come on. Jera, you're not in Kansas anymore. You're in Burbank, California. (laughs) Jera Richardson is the host of Like to Know It podcast. I got to speak with her and be on her podcast recently. And I was like, Jara, you need to be on the Badass Babes of Entertainment because you are a badass babe, girl. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Jara has done a ton of stuff. And the coolest thing, you have to tell everybody about your history and how you did your schooling. Jara is only 26 years old and she has mastered figuring out how to educate herself on a budget. It's just amazing. I was just listening to uh, to a lot of your podcasts and tell us more about your journey and how you got to the point of doing this podcast. Yes, of course. My name is Jared Richardson and following up to the podcast, I'll give you a short brief background. I did graduate from a university in three years. I was on the dance team there and I loved every minute of it. But now looking back, I'm like, man, I really wish I would have had that fourth year. (laughs) But I was really glad that I did it. I did do it on a quick budget. There was a special way that no one had really told me about, but I had figured it out. And even though I was going to a university, I was taking classes through different universities that were only two-year universities, so they were much cheaper. So it was such a great way, if you're interested in figuring out how to 
do college the right way and get a four-year degree but save so much money you should check out um one of my i can't remember what episode it is but it's one of my podcast episodes it's really informational so after graduation i did move to kansas city and that's in kansas i'm sure you've heard of kansas city and i took a corporate job and basically that's what everyone says to do you go to college you get the degree and then you go work for the rest of life that's the way society basically tells you to do it so That's what I did, and I did it for a year, and even though I absolutely loved everybody that I worked with, and I I liked the job that I did, I just knew deep down that I was meant for so much more, and that I could do so much more, and I just wasn't happy with where I was at in life. So fast forward a year later, this is actually right when the good old COVID hit. I quit my job and returned back home, and I did have a job lined up, so it's not like I was just going back home and quitting cold turkey, but the job I had lined up was to be an insurance agent. So I was super excited about that, but don't let that fool you either. I've had tons of roadblocks leading up to that. If you're not familiar with the insurance or real estate, you do have to take a test to do that profession. It's like college. So me being terrible at tests, I wanted to be a real estate agent too. So back when I was working my corporate job, I was studying to take that test. Five Five tries later, I I finally passed it. I I swear I'm a good real estate agent. It is just not good at tests. And then same thing with the insurance test. Three times, the third time's a charm. And that's the only, you only get three chances. So third time's a charm. (laughs) And I finally passed that as well. So if you're going to study and take those, trust me, it's it's not a breeze unless I guess if, if you're a test taker. But so got that done. And still, I really love what I'm doing, but I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to start my own job and coach people and just tell them what I have gone through. Fast forward, that's how the Like to Know It podcast started. I was doing a bunch of things and I just wanted to reach out and hit a bigger crowd. And that way through the podcast, we can share so many different ideas from people on that are life coaches to real estate agents, business owners, multi-level marketers, literally anything and everything. And that's why it's called the Lights Note Podcast. So that's just a little bit of background about me and how it started. I love that. And I've listened to several of your podcasts and it's so cool because I get to listen to lots of different people from different walks of life, doing different businesses and getting a snapshot of what they do and how they got there and how they do things. It's amazing how you can learn so much about something you knew nothing about in such a short period of time. So check out Jarrah's podcast, Like to Know It, wherever you listen to podcasts, because it's very interesting. And just for the ones that I listen to, I learned a lot. And I'm like, I love it when you can learn something brand new in a short period of time, maybe on your commute home. It's just so cool how much information is out there. And podcasts are so amazing because you can just reach out and hear things from so many different people from different walks of life. And I just love that we have this, you know, whole other vehicle now to learn new information And you can do it so quickly, which is great because we don't have a lot of time. Everybody's doing multiple things these days. Any opportunity you have to be able to learn something without having to read an entire book or spend a lot of time in an area, or you might not even know you are interested in something until you hear it. And then you're like, whoa, that's interesting. I never in a million years would have thought that. I think that's so cool. The question I ask Everybody that comes on the show, at least I try to, and if we have time, is I would like you to do a shout out 
to a badass babe in your world that has lifted you up and helped you to get to where you are today and has motivated you? Ooh, I have so many badass babes in my life. It's so hard to pick just one. I would give a shout out to one of my friends from college and now past college. We're still friends, obviously. But Mariah Gruner, she was one of the people that just really got me to get out of my own way. She's a multi-level marketer and she is absolutely killing it with her company. She's at the top of the company and she's just someone that is not only on fire for her business, but on fire for the Lord every day. And she's always following her plan or what his plan and what's set for her. So definitely give a shout out to Mariah. (laughs) That's awesome. I liked it though, when you said her plan, because I like to think that God is a woman. So there you go. (laughs) The ultimate badass babe, right? (laughs) I think there's a Kesha song that's God is a woman, I'm pretty sure. I love it. I love it. I love it. Jara, thank you so much for being on the Badass Babes of Entertainment. And please take a listen to um, Jara Richardson's podcast, Like to Know It. If you would like to learn something new, there's always something new that she's talking about and very interesting. So thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really been an honor. Today's episode was executive produced by me, Brenda Fisher, and Jacqueline Reynolds. Editing and recording by Herman Villacorta. 